In this next episode of our introduction to apologetics, we're going to be looking again at the science of apologetics, and then we're going to be focusing in on the classical model in particular. All right, now that we've reviewed some of the biblical considerations and preliminary issues, I think we're ready to wade into the science of apologetics. As I noted already, apologetics has today developed into a complex body of knowledge that ranges over many topics and many fields of inquiry. We've already seen that there are three general functions of apologetics. There's proof, there's defense, and there's refutation. Apologetics also ranges over many academic disciplines, such as philosophy, logic, astronomy, cosmology, physics, chemistry, biology, sociology, history, mathematics, and so on. And there are also many applications of apologetics. There is, for example, what we might call philosophical apologetics, which focuses on issues related to the fundamental nature of reality and of explanation. There's biblical apologetics, which focuses on questions related to the nature of Christian revelation in Scripture. There's historical apologetics, which focuses in on questions that are related to the historical reliability of Scripture. There's scientific apologetics, which of course deals with questions related to scientific theories and scientific knowledge. There's cultural apologetics, and this deals with questions related to current cultural ideas and, and current cultural movements. And then, of course, there's theological apologetics. And here the focus is on Christian heresies and cults. Moreover, and to complicate matters further, there are also today at least five different apologetic methods. There's at least five different views about how apologetics ought to be done. There's the classical method, the evidentialist method, the presuppositionalist method, the cumulative case method, and the method of reformed epistemology. So the field of apologetics as it exists today is obviously far too extensive and multifaceted to exhaustively cover in an introductory series like this one. So what I plan to do over the coming episodes is to provide a basic level overview of the field by following what's known as the classical method of apologetics. Now what makes the classical method classical is that it represents the general way that apologetics has been done throughout the history of the Christian church. The classical approach, I think, will provide a nice framework to introduce you to the way that many believers have endeavored to make a reasoned case for the faith. I also happen to think that it's the most effective way of making a systematic case for the truth of Christianity from the ground up. So what is the classical model of apologetics? Well, very simply, it's a way of demonstrating the truth of Christianity that has historically been broken down into two basic steps. The first step is to argue for theism. Now let's just pause for a moment here and define this term. By theism, I refer to the claim that there exists a creator God who's responsible for the existence of everything outside of himself. Now theism is often further qualified as monotheism to emphasize that there is one and only one God who is the transcendent cause of all that exists apart from himself. So in this step of the classical model, we're seeking to demonstrate that there is, in fact, a God, as well as demonstrating something about the nature of this God. And this will involve giving philosophical arguments for God's existence, and then engaging in a philosophical analysis of the attributes of God that are entailed by those arguments. And this later procedure is often called philosophical theology. There have been many arguments given for the existence of God over the centuries and they can be conveniently divided into several basic categories. Cosmological arguments argue to a first cause of the universe, 
teleological arguments argue to a designing intelligence of the universe. Axiological or moral arguments argue to a transcendent source of goodness, of moral value, and moral duty. And ontological arguments argue from the rational possibility of God to his necessary existence. This step in making a case for Christianity attempts to narrow the possible basic views about God and reality down to one. There are three general ways to think about God and reality. First, there's, as we've seen, theism, which simply says that God creates all. Then there's atheism, which simply says that there is no God at all. And finally, there's pantheism, which says that God is all. Now, for any philosophy types out there, I'm aware that things get a lot more complicated and nuanced than this, but this is just an introductory look, so calm down. Now, the goal of theistic arguments is to show that the first of these three general options is true, that theism is true. Of course, if theism is true, then we must be open to the possibility of both miracles and divine revelation. In fact, if theism is true, then we already have one stupendous, one gigantic miracle on the books, namely the creation of the universe. And if God went through all the trouble of creating everything, including rational beings, then it is certainly not implausible to think that he might want to communicate with those rational beings. Now, when it comes to divine communication, there are three monotheistic world religions that claim to have uh, had communication from God. And these are often referred to as the Abrahamic religions, since they all trace their lineages back to the Old Testament figure of Abraham in some way. And of course, we're talking about Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. So once we've made a case for theism, we're then ready to advance to the next step in the classical model of apologetics, where we'll seek to show the truth of Christian theism. Now, at this step, our concern is to show that Christianity is the one true religion. And there are many arguments and evidences that have been offered towards this end. For example, we can give evidence for the historical reliability of the Bible. We can show that our copies of Scripture are accurate. We can show that the historical content of Scripture is true. We can give evidences that support the deity of Christ. We can point to messianic prophecies, for example, or miracles. We can offer arguments such as Lewis's Lord Liar Lunatic trilemma. And we can make a historical case for the resurrection of Jesus. Of course, if we have good evidence that Christ was who he said he was, the Son of God, we can then take what he says about the Bible as further evidence of its authenticity. We can point out, for example, that Jesus affirmed the Old Testament as the Word of God. And we can point out that Jesus himself pre-authenticates the New Testament as the Word of God. Now, as I've said, this has been the general strategy that Christians have deployed in the endeavor to make a rational case for the truth of Christian theism. However, today, many find it necessary to add an additional step to the model. This extra step is concerned with foundational issues, which must be addressed prior to the standard two steps of the classical way of doing apologetics. Due to the widespread influence of bad philosophy that has permeated the intellectual environment and popular culture of the Western world over the last several hundred years, it's now often necessary to lay some philosophical groundwork or to do some basic philosophy before making a rational case for theism. So this foundational level will address questions that are related to the fundamentals of philosophy, including the nature of reality and the first principles of metaphysics, the nature of knowledge and of truth, 
the nature of meaning and of language, and the nature of arguments and logic. Unfortunately, today there are many bad uh, philosophical ideas that are floating around and that are widely believed, even if subconsciously, and that often must be addressed before making a rational case for theism. So as I said, in this Introduction to Apologetics series, we're going to be using this classical model as a template for surveying the apologetic landscape. So we'll spend some time in each one of these steps so as to sample and review some of the questions, arguments, and evidences that are specific to them. So we'll begin our survey by considering some questions related to basic philosophical foundations. Specifically, we'll take a look at two questions here. The first has to do with the nature of truth, where we'll seek to answer the question, what is truth? And the second with the nature of science, where we'll seek to answer the question, is science the only way to come to a knowledge of reality? Now, when we get to the second step, we'll survey some of the classical and contemporary arguments that have been offered for the existence of God. And here we'll review arguments of the cosmological, teleological, and moral varieties in particular. And when we reach the third step, we'll focus in on the person of Jesus Christ to make a case for Christian theism. Now, since Christianity literally rises or falls with Christ, here we'll survey the historical case that can be made for the resurrection of Jesus. Now, to reiterate, this is an introductory series. So we'll, we'll just be scratching the surface at each of these levels, leaving to one side many relevant issues, questions, and objections that could be raised at any given point. Again, the goal here is not to go too deeply into the weeds at any given level, but rather to provide something of a high-altitude survey of the apologetic landscape from a classical perspective.